Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast with Sean Martin. Have you ever thought that we're selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Well, perhaps we are. Let's look at how we can organize a successful information security program that integrates business culture with people, process, and technology to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast here, and I am Sean Martin, your host, where, as you know, you probably hear it all the time if you listen to the show, I get to talk about all kinds of cool things related to helping the business uh, grow safely and securely, um, which means bringing security leadership and security practitioners into the the mix with the business. And... uh, it's not not always an easy easy task, especially when we start getting deep into the weeds, into the tech, where we're building apps and building systems and integrating all kinds of services uh, purchased and open source, and it can get very wieldy very quickly. And uh, of course, a lot of what I'm talking about is in there is uh, related to supply chain. I've had another another conversation on that topic uh, with the with the CISA group and. Uh, we're going to continue that more with a deeper focus on uh, applications and uh, application security and the idea of secure by design. And I'm thrilled to have Jack Cable on with me from CISA. Jack, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's going to be going to be a fun one. Uh, doesn't get more exciting. I know I'm a nerd. Doesn't get more exciting than uh, looking at risk management and application development, uh, an engineer at heart and, and somebody who geeks out on risk. Uh, this is the perfect topic for me. And as most things uh, on this show, it's it's for me spending too much time on social media and, and seeing stuff that, that piques my interest. <laughs> this is no difference. Jackie posted, uh, posted something on LinkedIn uh, speaking to the Secure by Design alert series, uh, which, which uh, made me think, well, what is secure by design? And there's a whole thing uh, surrounding that. And I'm just thinking, well, we have shift left and, and DevSecOps and secure by design, secure by default. Uh, what, what do we do with all these terms uh, to make them actionable? And I thought alert series <laughs> seems actionable to me. Let's, uh, let's dive into that. So uh, before we get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, though, um, a few words, Jack, about what you're up to, your role at CISA, and uh, and then we'll we'll start talking about what secured by design is. Great, and very much looking forward to the discussion. We we agree we're also nerds um, that um, this is uh, one of the, the most exciting topics out there. Um, I'm Jack Cable. I'm a senior technical advisor at CISA, the the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. 
as I hope many uh, listeners are familiar, CISA leads both the national efforts to protect the federal civilian government, as well as coordinating critical infrastructure cybersecurity efforts. Um, and as I'll get to, Secure by Design is very core to our work. Um, personally, I come from a background in both uh, computer science, software development, and security research. Got into the security world through bug bounty programs. Um, eventually got exposed to some government work, um, spent some time in various places in the private sector, and eventually wound up at CISA. Um, I've been here about a year now and helped lead our work around both Secure by Design as well as open source software security, where we're trying to better improve uh, collaboration with open source communities and help strengthen this public good that we all depend on. I love it. And uh, so many things you've been in, involved with there. And uh, yeah, the bug bounties, uh, another another area that I think is super interesting. Um, and I can only imagine the, the connection from that to what we're going to talk about today. And, and the word that comes to mind for me is scale and access. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get into it. So the um, First off, secure by design. This this is I don't know what the right term for it is an initiative or program from CISA. I think it was launched uh, last year, April timeframe, if I'm not mistaken. Can you give me an overview of what that is to start? What 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 was the objective? What was the catalyst behind uh, getting that going? Where our secure by design work really starts with is the. Um, some of the motivation behind the White House's National Cybersecurity Strategy, which the, the White House released in, I believe, March of last year. And I encourage people to read that. I think it's a really foundational document for the approach that our country is looking to take when it comes to cybersecurity. And what the strategy recognizes is that the situation we're in today when it comes to cybersecurity is untenable. We place the burden almost entirely on the end users, um, who are the people who are actually the least capable of responding and um, improving the, the state of cybersecurity in the long run. And I, I'm sure that, that listeners here see this every day where it's on every company that's using software, every person that's using software, which in, in this day and age is, is essentially everyone to be so-called so kind of good, responsible users of that software. They need to know to patch the software for, for vulnerabilities that come out. They need to know to monitor logs. They need to take all these actions where um, really what we're getting towards is should um, be the responsibility of the, the creators of these products to build their products in a manner that is secure from the start so that this isn't necessary. So what the, the national cybersecurity gets to is two fundamental shifts um, that it calls for first to shift the responsibility from those least capable, whether it's small businesses, individuals, school systems, hospitals, you name it, onto those most capable and our work focuses on the technology manufacturers. And then second, it touches on favoring long-term investments in cybersecurity. And that's really where our work comes in, where we think there are actions that can be taken to foster long-term cybersecurity. As the, the director of CISA, Jen Easterly, put at a recent congressional testimony, 
where we are today is not sustainable. We need to take these day-to-day -day incident response activities and operational work, that's all important, but it is not sufficient to get us out of where we are when it comes to cybersecurity. We need to be looking at longer-term actions for how software manufacturers, technology manufacturers can build security in from the start to lead to a much safer future. Yeah, and I, so so that's the the core program. I was scanning through uh, through the paper, and it, it starts off with vulnerable by design, and then secure by design, secure by default. Some of the things I mentioned earlier, and then it starts to get into some principles and tactics, um, which I believe is where product developers, engineering, security folks can kind of rally together and say, Here, "Here's how we move forward." I don't know. Is there anything you want to share with that regard in terms of how what you've done becomes actionable within an yeah, organization. That, that's definitely one of the core focuses. And for background, um, as you mentioned, we released the initial version of our Secure by Design guidance in April of last year uh, with a number, I believe we had seven countries on that. We followed that up with updated guidance in October where we incorporate a bunch of feedback we've received from private sector, from academia, from other countries, um, and really expanded on the, the core set of principles, which I'll, I'll touch on in a second, um, as well as expanding to an even broader set of um, international countries. We're now up to 13 countries who've signed up to this guidance across Europe, North America, Asia, so we have some very strong international coalitions around this. Um, and the, the core of the guidance is really these three principles, which are the, the first is that technology manufacturers need to be taking ownership of the security outcomes for their customers. It's not enough just to ship a product and forget about it, but they need to view their customer security as an extension of their own. That's one. The second is around radical transparency and accountability. We want companies building technology products to talk openly about what does and doesn't work so that others can learn from it. And then third, that companies really need to lead from their top, ensuring that top business leadership are driving these necessary security improvements. Um, the, the reality is, and we, we are uh, very clear, that technically what we're advocating for isn't really anything new. Smart people in the cybersecurity software industries have been talking about these kinds of approaches to eliminate entire classes of vulnerabilities for decades. Um, we think the core of the problem isn't so much a technical problem at this point because we do know how to design reasonably secure software systems that are resilient to common classes of vulnerabilities from a technical perspective. And we've seen um, companies out there do that and, and have success. Really what we're getting at, and you, you might see with the principles, they're not technical principles, they're business principles. And we think that ultimately it's gonna be it, the economic and cultural and business factors that get us out of this. So on, on that point, Jack, talk, talk to me a little bit about who uh, the audience is for this. Um, I'm, I naturally would go straight to developers uh, and security teams. Um, but when you start talking about principles about the business, are, are you speaking to those folks, bringing them to those business principles? Or is this speaking to business folks who then realize they need, well, they probably have developers, they just need to, <laughs> they need to shore up the security part of, 
part of their game, right? Yep. Or is it so, both? So first, um, in, in terms of kind of which types of organizations we're targeting, we're very clear that our key target audience is technology manufacturers, the companies creating products that are used pervasively across sectors across the globe and support our key critical infrastructure functions. Uh, my colleague, Bob Lord, has uh, talked about um, the, uh, what he calls the, the four Vs, which are the, the key players when it comes to really fostering wide-scale uh, security improvements. And we talk a lot about the victims and what they did wrong, why they got hit with a breach. We talk a lot about the uh, villains, the, the adversaries, and what they did right. Um, but we don't focus so much on either the vendors, the, the product manufacturers, and what they can be doing to prevent this in the long run, or, or some of the, the other visionaries out there who have the, the capability to help shift the, the software, the technology industry. Um, so with our Secure by Design work, we're focusing squarely on the vendors, on the product manufacturers. And within that, you're, you're right, we have a, a couple of audiences. I would say our primary one who we ultimately need to be reaching is the business leaders who are able to make the decisions to allocate budgets to really steer this shift towards a more Secure by Design future. Of course, in order to do that, we need the buy-in of the, the technology uh, of the product people at these companies, who, who many of which, and we talk to, to uh, quite frequently, either engineers or um, other people with, with product roles at tech companies. And it's very clear that they get this. They understand what goes behind Secure by Design. Our uh, goal is to help uh, both the, these people convey to their business leadership as well as making the, the broader societal case that, that this is really necessary at this point in time. And uh, certainly not uh, mentioning names or anything, but I'm trying to visualize the, the conversation uh, your team, your broader team has with, uh, with organizations. What, what, what does that sound like? Uh, how does that engagement kind of go leading them from some level of awareness to where they they know what they need to do next yep um so so we and certainly engage weekly if not more than that with, with companies across all sectors um and really one of the key areas that that we really like to hear is success stories of where companies are effectively demonstrating the secure by design principles today because there are lots of companies who are doing so. Um, and really, whether it's taking actions to eliminate entire classes of vulnerabilities um, through actions like rewriting code in memory safe languages, um, or if it's demonstrating radical transparency by publishing studies of adoption of multi-factor authentication on their platform, or um, other, um, we, we talk a lot about um, actually publishing um, clear um, and complete CVE records um, that not only communicate to customers what they can do about the vulnerability, but also that include the CWE common weakness enumeration field that conveys the root cause of that vulnerability because our hypothesis is that we need better data on what the most uh, pervasive classes of vulnerabilities are so that as an industry, we can act on it. Um, so, so going back to your question, 
we love to hear about where things are currently working. We also, of course, are more than help to are more than happy to help um, organizations think about how they can better build this in. Um, but we know that there is an, an immense amount of work already happening um, and success stories we can highlight uh, to, to really help convey that um, th this is something that's achievable. Um, I, I, we recognize that we've been grappling with this as a cybersecurity industry for decades, but at least I am hardened by the fact that we've seen in the real world instances where uh, companies are able to take the right steps. They're able to, um, whether it's use memory safe programming languages or elim eliminate SQL injection vulnerabilities, cross-site scripting through the use of parameterized queries or uh, web template frameworks, respectively. We see instances where this is possible and works. And not only that, but in the long run saves companies money because they have to spend less time going back and fixing and responding to vulnerabilities, all of that. Um, so, so we think the case is clear for, for uh, why companies should adopt this and are um, standing by to help more do so. Ah, uh, boy. I, so uh, tons of questions in my head here. I'm trying to think where to go next because the, I, I think, I definitely want to get to the alerts because that's an interesting part for me, but I, I want to get a view of maybe how this connects with other parts of CISA, uh, things like the SBOM uh, initiative and, and the work that's going on there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Are there other other areas that you're collaborating with different parts of, of the department uh, to make this more I don't know, successful, feasible to kind of help each other out? Maybe if you can kind of paint a picture of how this fits in, I think that would be that'd be cool. Yep. Uh, we see long term that this will tie into really everything that CISA does, uh, because again, as Jenny Sterley mentioned, at the end of the day, we are going to need to work towards a uh, future where technology is much more secure by design. Um, so for instance, and we work closely, I, I know that um, Alan Friedman was recently on this, we worked closely with him and his team um, around um, questions of how can SBOMs um, be used to, to help companies, for instance, demonstrate that, that second principle of radical transparency and accountability and um, help their customers in doing so. Uh, we are actively working on um, the, the kind of area of open source software security and, and seeing how we can really help secure the, the broader open source ecosystem, uh, recognizing that with, for instance, the Secure by Design tie-in, um, we really want companies who integrate open source software and, and sell it um, add profit in products they, they make, who, who get so much value out of it, and we want to, to keep um, that uh, value, the, the great innovation that's uh, flourished because of open source software, um, but at the same time recognize that companies who are using it need to do two things. They need to both uh, be responsible um, consumers of that open source software and reasonably vet it and make sure that what they're putting in their products is something that um, meets their bar of security. And then second, that they have to be sustainable contributors to that open source software and help the, the broader ecosystem. Um, so that's just one example, but really even in our, if you think about our day-to-day -day operational instance 
incident response work. Um, I, I know there have been a couple of vulnerabilities lately in the news. Um, I, I could always say that, um, but um, every time we encounter one of these vulnerabilities, we are thinking about, okay, how can we help drive this down in the long run? How can we leverage what we've learned from this to do better in the future? We hope uh, companies who are having these vulnerabilities are having the, the same conversations, um, but, and this gets into some of our secure business design alerts, we want to see how we can translate the day-to-day -day operational work we do, which is essential and needed, um, to translate to, to long-term security improvements through uh, fundamental um, changes to, to how, how products are designed and developed. Yeah. So, and so I think this, this probably is the natural point to, to cross over into the alerts because I, you spoke to response, which of course, if, if we find a weakness, especially one that's being exploited, we want to know quickly, um, which feeds back to, uh, IR teams, uh, program. Um, but then going back, there's just general operations and then further back is the, the development, um, which I presume the alerts can also, um, help with. <laughs> so certainly the two ends, I'm, I'm interested about the middle, see if there's something there as well. Um, so tell me about the, the, the alert series now and what are those some of the things that we've seen in the news, um, in the past few days? Are those the alerts? Yep. So the secure by design alert series we launched back in December with the goal of really, and going back to, to, I mentioned the, what we call the four V's where as a cybersecurity industry, as the, the software industry, we spend so much time talking about, um, again, the, what the, the end users, the victims did wrong, what the villains, the adversaries did right. Um, but often missing from that conversation is the role of the, the actual vendors, the, the software manufacturers. Um, and, and we recognize that this is an area where we ourselves at CISA can, can do better and can offer more specific guidance around what uh, technology manufacturers can be doing to, for instance, eliminate um, entire classes of vulnerabilities, um, for, such as those that we've seen recently exploited. Um, so um, the, the first alert we put out was around, um, or actually the second one we put out was around default passwords. Um, and if you remember, um, their um, CISA has published advisories, for instance, around uh, nation state affiliated um, actors who are compromising critical infrastructure organizations um, due to insecure default passwords being used. Uh, we think in 2024, um, companies who are building technology products should be able to do so in a way that um, don't have default passwords. And there's a few approaches that can be taken, whether that's, um, say, requiring users, administrators, um, upon configuring the device for the first time to change the password to a secure random one, or simply shipping with randomly generated unique passwords on each device. We think there's a number of approaches that, that can um, meet the, the goal there, uh, but we think that this is ultimately something that companies can do and needs to be part of the conversation anytime we're talking about um, a vulnerability caused by default passwords. Uh, likewise, we uh, recently published uh, to coincide with the director's testimony that was inspired by a lot of the uh, Volt Typhoon activity that CISA has uh, publicly documented in alerts, uh, particularly 
targeting um, Soho's small office, home office routers, uh, many of which are essentially consumer-grade routers. They don't have the, the same level of um, security uh, protection um, or kind of enterprise investment that might come with uh, more uh, commercial routers, but at the same time, we know are an active target of adversaries. Um, so we wanted to spell out specifically actions that we really urge uh, manufacturers of Soho devices to be taking. And again, uh, we want to bundle any time that we're talking about a vulnerability that's out there being exploited um, when we're making recommendations to the end users, the network operators who have to deal with day to day. We also want to make sure that we are emphasizing the role of the product manufacturer who, um, if they had taken, the, for instance, the, the guidance we had put um, out, um, if they had taken that into account, taken a secure by design approach, um, none of the, the response would have been necessary. So what kind of feedback have you received? I mean, a couple months, couple months in now, a few months in almost, I guess. Um, what, what's the response been like and from whom? Yep, so I think we've been um, pleasantly surprised with the feedback even um, won't get into specifics, but from the, the manufacturers themselves um, who have been relevant to these alerts, uh, we, we've heard that, um, that this is helpful to them. Um, and um, of course, maybe it goes without saying that um, this is by far not the only means by which we intend to, to collaborate with on technology manufacturers. We, we uh, want to help as much as we can uh, when these sorts of cybersecurity incidents occur, of course, ideally beforehand, but not always the, the opportunity to do so, um, to help uh, build in a secure by design approach. Um, so that's one area. Um, the second I, I'd call out, um, and don't know exactly when this will be airing, but we have a request for information out there right now on secure by design. Um, it closes February 20th. Um, so if this, if you're listening and it is before February 20th, very much encourage you to um, respond and share your thoughts on our secure by design efforts. If it is after February 20th, then uh, the responses will all be public, encourage people to go through and see some of the feedback we're getting. Uh, we intend to take that feedback and incorporate that into a, a new version of the secure by design guidance at some point this year. Um, but really, it, it's essential to making sure that what we're saying is actually something that is um, practical and, and can be adopted. Nice. Well, uh, both both states will be true. I'll, uh, I'll I'll push this up the stack, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll publish it ahead of the twentieth. But of course, there'll always be somebody who listens after, so <laughs> they'll they'll miss out on the opportunity. But we'll certainly try to help drive more folks to the RFI. So when, uh, if you can send me the link to that, I'll, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well. Uh, I'd like to get a sense of where you see this heading, both the, the, the broader initiative of Secure by Design and the alert series. Anything else coming uh, that you can share with us? I, I can't remember where I saw it, uh, the use of AI to help with scoring and stories related to this stuff. I don't know anything you can share that that would help give folks a vision for where you're, where you're headed with this stuff. Yep, uh, a couple areas I'd call out. And first that I'd say you, uh, listeners can, can see through um, whether it's the alerts or other guidance we're putting out that we do want to get much more clear and precise when we're talking about what secure by design actually means. 
uh, whether that's putting out alerts on specific classes of vulnerabilities and showing how manufacturers can eliminate those at scale. Um, or for instance, we put out in December guidance on um, memory safety roadmaps, actions we think companies should be taking in order to, um, in the long run, work to eliminate memory safety vulnerabilities from their products by use of memory safe programming languages. Um, so that's one area. Um, there, there's also various deep dives that we plan on doing. Uh, for instance, an area that we touched briefly on but um, merits um, much more consideration is around operational technology where um, we recognize that there are some unique constraints that mean that a secure by design approach might look a little different in the operational technology space. Uh, we want to further explore, sorry, um, explore that through additional guidance um, and really work to understand what this looks like in the operational technology space. That's something we also, I believe, um, call out in the request for information, welcome any uh, feedback on that. Um, so with, with operational technology, while um, we, we think that the overall principles still apply, how those manifest might look a little different. Um, and, and then uh, maybe the, the last area I'll call out is we really want to explore what um, this looks like in the open source context. Uh, where we know that it is not reasonable to expect the developers of open source software, many of whom are volunteers, um, to really um, have the, the responsibility for this. As I mentioned, we think that companies who are using open source software need to um, really view that within uh, their realm of accountability and work to, to be better stewards there. Uh, but, but we also know that as the government, we might be able to help um, work with the open source community to, to foster greater um, security improvements. Uh, one example, uh, we, we just released a uh, framework for package managers um, who um, act as a, a central point in the open source ecosystem to distribute code uh, to developers. Um, our framework talks about uh, principles for security for the, these package managers or package repositories, um, actions they can take uh, to really scale out security improvements across open source ecosystems. We want to work with the open source community as, as well as uh, private companies who are both consuming and producing open source software to see how we can help sustain um, security improvements in um, the open source space, recognizing that it's again a public good that we all benefit from, but at the same time, uh, we all share the, the really burden uh, of helping lift up the, the security there, and, and we want to do our part as CISA to, to help with that. And uh, any collaborations or partnerships? Because there's a name, I'm not going to mention it, but the name coming to mind on the open source piece. And of course, there's, there's uh, organizations that look at specifically app development and, and helping to... Uh, to do things better in that world. Yep. Um, are, you, are you working with any orgs like that? Do you want to? Yep, yeah, and I, I should say the um, principles for package repository security document we put out was a collaboration with the Open Source Security Foundation working group on securing software repositories. Um, so we really, we, we recognize that 
of we need to, we can't just assume that open source community will work within the framework of government. We have to um, do the opposite. We have to, to integrate into existing communities. So we worked with the um, Securing Software Repositories Working Group to uh, develop that and are, are quite um, proud of how that turned out. Um, we also, and we're continually uh, building our team at CISA. Um, last summer, I welcomed Ava Black, who, who's very uh, distinguished um, in the open source community to CISA to help lead our efforts here. Um, and uh, of course, always um, welcome people who, who are engaged. If you go on our CISA website, um, you can see the, the contact email secured by design at CISA dhs.gov, please do uh, reach out, please respond to RFI, please uh, um, engage and yeah, we, we'd love to hear how, how people um, think they can help. I love it, Jack, um, for, for, the, for the greater good. And it, it doesn't get much more important than when we, when we start talking about critical infrastructure. So <laughs> all the devices and, uh, and code sitting there, we uh, need to do a better job uh, raising the bar. And I think the four, four V's, I don't know, maybe, maybe Bob will come on and talk to me about that. I think that's an interesting concept as well. Um, good way to look at things. Any, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up? I'm going to, I'm going to link to a slew of the things that, you, that uh, you've shared and that you've mentioned uh, as much as we can in the notes. So people can look at the packages and, and reference all the stuff that you shared, but any final thoughts before we wrap something we didn't, didn't touch on yet. Sounds great. Um, thank you for, for having me, Sean. Uh, maybe I would, would just leave listeners with a call to think about wherever you are, whether you're at a security company, whether you're at a um, company that, that builds software and working on security there, to think about really how um, the, the organization you're at can, can take um, some of the secure by design approach to heart. Uh, we stand by to help out wherever we can. I mentioned the RFI and uh, the, the way to get in touch with us, but um, please yeah, let us know. And if there's areas that we're um, kind of paths we're going down that, that you don't think are productive areas we should be exploring, we want to hear it um, and stand by to, to support, uh, to, to help catalyze the, the shift to, to more secure by design software. Yep, I love the leadership of the group and and the fact that you're collaborating with uh, with the community. Um, it's great to see that come out through through CISA over the years, and great to see you, Jack, continue continue that on with uh, with the rest of the team as well. And uh, so, everybody, thank you for listening and watching to uh, this episode. Hopefully, uh, you learned and and learned something and think think a little differently about how you bring products to market, devices, software, and otherwise. And uh, be sure to do the RFI and, and uh, look at the resources and, and connect with the CISA team to help move this forward. So subscribe, share, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Jack, thanks a million. Thank you, Sean. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. 
Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Cybersecurity with Sean Martin, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this show and ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand with our conversations, you can sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. 